Hey, what's up, Central family? So thankful that you've tuned into this online experience. Uh, if I haven't had the honor of meeting you, my name's Tim. Uh, I get to serve as one of the pastors here and super excited that you're with us. Again, just want to reiterate, man, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. So no matter where you find yourself today on your spiritual journey, I just, I just honored that you're here and I hope you come to call this place your home. Well, hey, we are in our series in James and this is week number five uh, throughout this series and we're, we're we're taking our time, working our way through this book in the Bible called, called James, the New Testament. It's only five short chapters. It would only take you about 15 minutes to sit down and read uh, front to back, uh, but we're taking nine weeks to kind of slowly work our way through and to digest some of the content that James was teaching his church at the time through this letter. And he wants to teach us here today because how crazy is this? James was a pastor in Jerusalem and he was pastoring and, and trying to teach a scattered church, a church that could not gather together very similar to the times that we are in right here, right now, only they could not gather because people were literally being killed for their faith. And isn't it nice to know that we're not in that spot? But he gives us some very practical teaching of how to conduct ourselves as the church, as individuals that make up this church in the midst of separation. And so uh, I'm going to give you about two weeks worth of messages in one, one message here today. So buckle up. Hope you got your notes and uh, your Bible there handy. Uh, we're going to have to talk fast. We're going to have to move, move at a pretty good clip. But if you're just jumping in with us in this series, um, again, this is week five. Week one, uh, James taught us about how we navigate trials and temptations in life. And we all face those. Uh, week two, we looked at, James taught us about the priority of God's word in our life, how we're to anchor ourselves, cling to God's word and apply it to our life because in doing so, we come alive. Week three, we talked about, uh, Tiffany did a great job talking to us about how, how, how James kind of puts on this small group's hat because he knew as the church was scattered, they'd still want to, to gather together in, in smaller group settings. And, and as James was teaching them how to conduct themselves in those small group contexts, he reminds them to not show favoritism, to not treat people differently than, than one another, but rather for all of us, such a good word for us right here, right now, to love everyone just like we love ourselves without bias, without prejudice. And then last week we talked about uh, having a faith that works. And, and James really just taught us that, hey, if you want your faith to work, then we all have to work our faith. And this week, James pivots to the power of our tongue, the power of our words in our lives. And I'm just going to, last week I thought was a little bit, bit rough. I thought, I thought James kind of got in our Cheerios a little bit, but I'm just telling you right up front, like this is, he steps on a lot of toes. Uh, and so I'm just telling you right up front, it's, it's coming. But one thing I appreciate about James that he's very straightforward. He's not beating around the bush. Like he, he just comes out. If you want the bottom line, the book of James is the book for you. And so, so let's just jump in. James chapter three, we're going to be looking at verses one through 12. Here's what he says in James chapter three, verse one. He says, says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now that, that's a verse that keeps me awake at night. That's a verse that makes me come with a very, very healthy fear to moments 
like this because I know there's coming a day when I will be judged more strictly for the teaching that I, I deliver right here, right now. And James is saying, hey, be, be very careful. Not a whole lot of people. Some of you shouldn't try to do this because you're gonna be judged more strictly, he says. And he says, we all stumble in many ways and anyone who, who is never at fault in what they, they say, they're perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And he keeps, keeps the body in check and he connects that with, with, our, with our words, the things that we say. And, and one of the reasons that this is so, so vital at the time, James was writing to a church that was illiterate, basically. 90% of the population at this time couldn't read. And even if they could read, they, they don't have Bibles like we have today. We didn't, they didn't have the luxury of that. And so he's not just talking to pastors and people like me who teach in moments like this, but for anyone who would ever open the word of God to teach God's word, he says, be very careful. Treat that as a very holy moment because you'll be judged more strictly, whether that's in your small group, whether that's in youth ministry, kids ministry, just talking to a neighbor about what God's word says. We're to treat that with, with holy reverence. And so for me, I, that's why I always just go back to the Bible. People ask me difficult questions that, that maybe it's very controversial and, and I just respond, well, what does the Bible say about that? Let that be the plumb line for our lives and we cannot go wrong. Um, and then, then Paul, he's just, James continues in that vein, talking about the power, power of, our, of our tongue. And so th- I've titled this message, Watch Your Words, because here's the reality. We, we got to watch our words. Our words are powerful. Our words have meaning. Our words actually set the direction for our lives. And watching our words is vital for every follower of Jesus. And I think today, in our culture today, this is more important than ever because we live in a high comment culture. We live in a high, high chatter culture. We're quick to pop off with whatever we think in the moment and tell you what I think right here, right now. We're quick to put it, put it in on social media, put it, out, put it on blast for the world to see. And James is just going to say, if you want to be a person that, that, that honors God with your life, you're going to keep that in check. You're going to keep your tongue in check. And and I mentioned this a few weeks ago and when we were studying chapter one, but James talks about the power of the tongue in chapter one in James 1, 26. He says this, and again, <laughs> he's pretty straightforward. He says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. As my daughter would say, you're tricking me. <laughs> you're tricking yourself. You are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Wow. I mean, that just kind of squares us up right out of the gate. But as we go ahead and break down the rest of of James chapter three, verses three through 12, we're gonna make three observations about the power of the tongue. Then I wanna give you three application points for us to take something away from this message, to apply it to our lives. And I know God's going to help us with this today. So here we go. Uh, Here's where I wanna start. I just think out of the gate, God puts a whole lot more priority on the words we say than we do. I think for many of us, we, we kind of put sin and dysfunction in different categories, right? We put like murder, adultery, like, like sexual sins over here in this very black and white pile. But in this gray category, this gray pile, we put things like lying, gossip, uh, malicious talk, like cutting other people down. And we're like, oh, that's not, not so bad as this. But I think, I think God has a very different perspective on that. It's actually in Proverbs 6, 16, that, that God labels six things that I hate. He's like, I hate these things. And 50% of them have to do with, 
Your tongue, three of them do. Here's a lying tongue, God hates it. A false witness that pours out lies, he hates it. A person who stirs up conflict in the community, he hates it. It's all, all to do with our, our tongue. We could go from cover to cover, Old Testament on through the New Testament, look at a whole lot of scripture. We're gonna cover a lot of scripture today, but from beginning to end, the Bible talks about the power of our words, and so we need to watch our words. And so let's jump in. Here's the first point. If you're taking notes, uh, write this down. If you're not taking notes, grab a pen, write this one down. Here it is. Uh, The first point is this. My words will determine my direction. My words, your words, will determine the direction of your life. This is true for all of us. The words that we hear from others and allow to land in our hearts, the words that we say about others, the words we say about our situations, the words we say to ourselves. All those things set the direction of our lives for good or for bad. Our words will determine our directions. And James, he gives us a couple of examples of how this reality plays out. He gives a couple of illustrations. Here's the first one in James chapter three, verse three. He says this, he says, we can control a very large horse by putting a small bit into their mouth. And by controlling, check this out, their mouth, we can turn the whole animal, whatever direction we want it to go. Control the mouth. You can tr- control a, a huge animal. Check out this picture. I want to show this picture here. Uh, this is, these are Clydesdales. These things are huge, huge. They're over six feet, six inches tall. These weigh over 2,000 pounds. But you can control one of these huge animals with a bit like this. Just goes in their mouth. And wherever you want it to go, you can control this beast of an animal, something that I can hold this with my pinky, but I can control a horse like, like this. And James is saying, even though something very small makes a huge difference, makes a huge impact in the lives of people, makes a huge impact in your life, your tongue, it matters. What you say, it matters. It sets the direction of your life. He gives us another illustration here in James uh, chapter three, verse four. It says, or, or take ships, for example. It has a, a tiny rudder and it makes the huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds blow against that, that, that ship very strongly. The, like the rudder still set the directions. Your words set the direction for your life. Here's what, what James is saying. Check out this picture. This is, a, this is a massive yacht. This yacht, if you wanna buy it for me, I take it. 150 million for this bad boy. You got, you got a helicopter, you got a jet boat. It takes 20 crew members just to, to function this ship, just to run this yacht. I mean, Family vacation, central family, let's go. Like on the yacht, that would be incredible. Uh, but, but check out the rudders. Here's what guides the ship. These small rudders, and they're, they're fairly big, I mean. But, but compared to the ship, very small. But, but these set the direction of the entire, the entire boat. And James is saying, for you, for me, the direction of your life is a big deal. And you set the direction of your life with your tongue, with the words you say. So your words set your direction. Small thing makes a big, 
big difference. And, and I would just say this, I'm convinced that there's no better place than the local church, than, than, than you and me gathering together, it, it, using our words to exemplify this teaching that James has given us, that your words matter. I remember whenever I started following Jesus, uh, just, oh, I was in my 20s, early 20s, and my life was a mess. Uh, but my dad, my mom, they went to this, this local community church similar to Central Christian. My dad, he oversaw the Sunday school classes, so basically like our small groups. And he's like, I think you should get in plugged in one, one of these. And so I went to this group, about 10 people there. And the leader of the, the, the group, the class, was an older lady by the name of Della Philip. She was the sweetest, sweetest lady. She's probably late 50s, early 60s at the time, uh, but just sweet as can be. She, she would not only help us navigate rich conversations, but I remember the words that Della Phillips spoke over my life. I, my life was a wreck at the time, but she would say things like, Tim, God's got greatness in you. Tim, one day, Tim, one day you, you're going to be a pastor of a church. And I'm like, <laughs> like, there's another Tim in the room. Like you, talk, you don't know me. You don't know who I, you don't know the mess I'm in. Tim, I can't wait to attend your church and, and sit on the teaching that you're going to bring from God's word. She spoke words of life in me. And I, I, I went to that church for quite a while. And I'll be honest, this isn't kudos to me, but I can't remember a, a single message that a guy like me gave from a stage like this but I'll never forget the words Della Phillips shared with me. And here's what I need you to know. Your words matter. But let's be people that speak life. Let's be people that see and say things into people that they don't even see in themselves. I'm so thankful for her. I'm so thankful for my parents. I'm so thankful for people that chose to see the positive in me. I'm so thankful for people like you that are part of this dream team here at Central. I'm so thankful for those of you who serve in our kids' ministry and, and more, I'm telling you, run the play. Like, like play the video, do the deal, give, give them the, you know, like run the play. Do what Miss Kristen says, but, but, but your primary purpose in that moment is to look those little people in their eye and say, God created you on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, and I can't wait to see all God does in your life. Listen to me, group leaders, like facilitate discussion. Play the, give them the content. But more than that, they're going to remember the words that you say over their life. And I'm just inviting you. Let's be, your, your, your words can set the direction for someone else's life. That's you. It's not, they'll forget what I say. They'll never forget the way you made them feel. Don't forget that. Let, let's remember that. Let's join the team. I'd love for you to join the team. We're going to start hosting some in-person gatherings out, outdoors. And we're going to follow safety protocols. It's going to be great. But I, if you've been kicking the tires and thinking, man, maybe it's my time to get plugged in, I encourage you, go online, go to our, our events page, uh, sign up to serve. And, and, and Miss Krista, she's going she's gonna to give you some, some direction. She's going to give you some training. Join the guest experience team. We need 42 people to sign up to serve. And, and I just invite you, do the, do the deal, run the play. But when you look people in the eye, tell them what God sees in them. They'll never forget it and you'll never regret it. Well, we, we can all think of people that have spoken some things in our lives that, that landed and for good or for bad. Uh, but we also need to be very careful about the words we speak, the words we speak to others, the words we speak about our situation, not just the words we receive, but the words 
words we speak. Uh, last year, about this time, we were in a series called Courageous Faith. Some of you might remember that if you were with us then. Uh, if you weren't with us then, we were going through this book called Joshua in the Old Testament. How, how, how we could be people who live with courageous, courageous faith. But, but I love this story about Moses and how, how God wanted Moses to lead these people into the promised land. And the whole story of Joshua doesn't take place if this situation didn't play out the way it did. And it hinges on people and the words that they, they shared. So here's kind of the backdrop. Uh, God's saying, hey, here's the promised land. I want you to go in. I want you to conquer this land. It's going to be yours. It's a good land. So I'm sending you in on a recon mission. Twelve men go to spy out the land. They bring back this report. And two men, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's do this. We can take the land. And 10 other spies said, no, we can't. With their words, they set the direction of their lives. Let's look at it in Numbers chapter 13. It says, then Caleb quieted the people of Moses. They're like grumbling, we can't do it. And here's what Caleb says. He says, let us go up at once and take possession of it. Read this out loud with me here. If you're wherever you are, in your living room, maybe in your car, maybe by yourself, they might think you're crazy, but read this out loud, this is good. For we are well able Let's be well-able people. Let's, let's see the size of our God and size up our circumstances in the light of who he is. And that will help us to become well-able people. Caleb's like, I know they're big. I know there's obstacles. I know there's giants in the land, but our God is bigger. We are well-able people. We are well-able to overcome it. But listen to what the other men said. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able. And let me just tell you, church, you got a choice. You can choose today, I'm going to be a well-abled person, or I'm going to choose to be a, I'm not able. Gravitational pull of life will lead you here. Faith-filled attitude, direction with our words will lead us to this space. We're, let's do this thing. We're, they're too big. We can't go up against them, and, and they're, they're stronger than we are. Ten spies. Ten spies, two say we're able, ten say it's impossible. Ten people pollute the whole camp. Check this out in, in, in Numbers chapter 14. Starts off with 10, now look what's happened. They spread this bad report. All the Israelites went from 10 to the whole, the whole lot of them, the whole group. Your words don't, even, don't just impact you, it impacts everyone else around you. Be very careful with the words you share. All the Israelites grumbled, used their mouth. They, they said this against Moses and Aaron, the whole assembly. They said to them, if, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better if we go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a different leader. Let's go back to Egypt. They're ready to like kill Moses and Aaron. Uh, God's not real happy about the situation. Matter of fact, God's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wipe these people out and start fresh. But it was Moses and Aaron that kind of intercede for these people. And God, he, he says this, he, he says, just check it out. Uh, Numbers 14, uh, next, next slide here. Numbers 14, 26 through 28 says this. Uh, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble? Use these words. How long will they grumble against me? 
I have heard what they said with their mouth because your mouth sets the direction of your life. I have heard their complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Verse 28, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to them, I'll do to you the very things I heard you say. Don't miss that. Sometimes God will do the very things he heard you say. He did it for the nation of Israel and check it out. The whole generation died in the desert. They didn't take hold of the promise God had in front of them. Only Joshua and Caleb did, but it took 40 years. Why? Because your words set the direction of their life and it does for you too. And I'm just saying we can choose this week that we're gonna choose words that if, if God said that to you, I'm gonna do everything I heard you say, we'd be happy We'd be happy with the outcome. If you're taking notes, here's here's the next one. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. We shape our words, then those words shape us. So James wants us to know that there's power in your tongue. It sets the direction of your life is the first point. The second point is this. My words can destroy what I have. My words, they, they can bring destruction. They can destroy what I have. Here's what James says in James chapter three, verses five through six. He says, he says, likewise. So just like that, that rudder steers the whole ship, just like that bit in the horse's mouth, it steers the whole body in the same way. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue also is a, is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and it itself is set on fire by hell. Hey, James is just saying, hey, he, he gives another illustration. Your tongue, it's like a spark and it can set fire to an entire forest. And some of you know the reality of this firsthand, like from the California fires that we've recently experienced. Some of you were evacuated from your home because of a small spark. They, they traced it back to this guy who was hammering a metal tent peg and one spark, no one saw it, but it lit over 500,000 acres on fire, tens and thousands of dollars in damage, lives literally turned upside down. Why? One spark. And I just wonder, some of us, maybe we're walking around not realizing the sparks were flying with our mouth and the, the, fi- the damage that it can cause to those all around us. My words can destroy what I have. And because I know my words can destroy what I have, I must be very careful about the duration and the direction of my words. If you're taking some extra notes, write those two words down, duration and direction. Very key when it comes to our words. Uh, You might remember in James chapter one, verse 19, he talks about duration of our words. He says, understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must be, be quick to listen, quick duration, slow to speak duration, slow to become angry. He says, there's some things we need to be quick to, that's listening. Slow when it comes to our speech. Slow when it comes to making judgments. Slow when it comes to commenting in that chat. Slow when it comes to making that post. Slow when it comes to giving that rebuke. 
We must be very, very careful. Duration and direction are key when it comes to our words. Proverbs 10, 19. Here's a verse to put on your fridge this week. Uh, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's a good word for some of us. We just need to receive that one today. Some of us just need to keep our mouth shut, especially when we're hot. You know, they say confession is is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. Uh, It was Tuesday of this week. I mean, I'm I'm studying to bring this message to you on the power of our words, right? And I I wrap up a Zoom meeting and the meeting didn't go the way I wanted to. It wasn't the outcome I was hoping for. It wasn't the answers I was hoping for. And I was hot. I was frustrated. I was mad. And I was like, man, I'm... I'm not, I'm not productive right now. I need to go outside and go for a walk. And I go outside and um, Kristen, the, the kids team are setting up for Too Cool Tuesday. And, and my friend, Dan, I hadn't seen him in a long time, was there. And I'm going off to let off steam. And I see Dan, he's like, how's it going? And I'm like, let me tell you how it's going. And I, I just start popping off and saying things to Dan who couldn't do anything about my problems, unloading on him things that I had no business to be talking to him about. The duration of my words, not in check. The direction of my words, wrong direction. And so we unload on people sometimes. And I did it to Dan and I, I got convicted of it the next day. And I just, I just texted, I was like, hey bro, man, like I, sorry for the word vomit. Like you don't need to carry that burden. That's not, nothing you can do about it. My issue, my problem, I got to figure it out. Sorry about that. And sometimes we need to just get that in check a little bit, you know? And so, so one thing that we say around here, this is in your notes, let's be people that pass negatives up, negatives up, praise down. We're going to lead up with truth. We're going to lead out with positivity. We're going to pass negatives up. We're going to pass praises out. Here's what I mean by that. If, if I have an issue with someone in the church or maybe like an elder who, who's over me in the church, it would be wrong for me to take that in the direction and, and unload it on my kids. It'd be wrong of me to take that to the team, to the staff and be like, can you believe this? Ba 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 ba. It's wrong because they can't do anything about it. It paints that individual in a negative picture. So if you have an issue with someone, take the negatives to the person that can actually do something about it. Otherwise, keep Keep your mouth shut, like Proverbs says, or lead out with some positive words because your words paint a picture. Your words set your directions and your words can bring destruction. So we gotta be very careful with the duration of our words and the direction of our words. Otherwise, it leads to, to bad spots. So, so number one, we're gonna, we're gonna, our words, my words determine my direction. Number two, uh, my words can destroy what I have. And this is where I get excited at this point in the message because our third point is something only God can do. At this point, the, the message moves from a teaching moment to a, oh God, you gotta move in the hearts and lives of your people for this one. Because something supernatural has to take place in your life, in my life, if we're actually gonna take hold of this. And I'm excited for that because that's, that's where God specializes. He specializes in the supernatural. Here it is. Point number three is my words reveal my heart. What I say reveals what's on the inside. What's coming up out of the bucket only reveals what's deep down in the well. My words reveal my heart. If you've got a bunch of nasty language, critical, complaining, never good enough, never content, 
it's not your situation. It's not all about your circumstance. I would just invite you to do what scripture says and check your heart. Because what comes up out of the bucket only reveals what's deep down in the well. James puts it this way in James 3, 9 through 10. It says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and, and with it, we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness, like, like people God loves. He's like, that, that doesn't make sense. And out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives or, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. What he's saying is at the core of what you are will be the fruit that comes out of your life. What's happening on the inside will ultimately come out in the words that we say. And so here's, if you're taking notes, here, here's the bottom line. The real problem isn't my tongue. The real problem is my heart. I got, I got a heart issue. James would go on to say this in James 7 through 8. He says, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles in the sea have been tamed and have been, been tamed by mankind. But check this out. No human being can tame the tongue. Only God can. It's a very supernatural experience that must take place in your heart, in my heart, if we're going to, to figure out how to tame our tongue, because the only way to tame our tongue is to have a pure heart to have God working on the inside. Uh, that's why James would say in chapter one that if, if you don't keep a tight ring on your tongue, then your religion is worthless. Because if you have a religion that doesn't change who you are on the inside, you're just going through empty religious rituals that are dead. But God didn't call you to a dead religion. He called you to a supernatural kind of life, a kind of life that taps into the divine power through God's Holy Spirit. Like he's called you to greatness and he desires for it to change who we are. And that's evident by the words that we say. He, James, he goes on to say like, left to its own. Like, like we, can, we can try to tame our tongue, we can't do it. But your tongue, left to itself, is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And man, do we see that playing out in our culture now. So what do we do? Like, what do we, what do, we do with this? Let's, let's bring in some application. Here we go. Hey, here's the first point. God, allow God to change my heart. Let us be people that just allow God to do a work on the inside to get some of this junk out. Only, only he can do it. It requires supernatural intervention. But let's be people that allow God, because we can allow God or we can stop God from doing what he desires to do in our hearts and our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. Check it out. The old is gone. The new has come. New life has begun. That's Christianity. Christianity isn't a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christianity isn't follow this set of rules, don't do this, don't do this. Christianity is experiencing life transformation. Paul would say, it's a, you're a new person. The old's gone, the new's come. You're a changed person. Jesus would say the same thing. Here it is in, in, uh, in John chapter three, verse three, he says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Here it is, here's the truth. Unless you're born again, unless you've been radically transformed, it's like my life is different. I used to go this way. I used to be that person, but I'm not that person anymore. I'm a different individual. I've experienced this. I've been, I've been born again. 
you, if you don't experience that, you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Christianity is not head knowledge. Christianity isn't do's and don'ts. Christianity is life transformation where we connect with the creator of the universe. We come to him and say, oh God, here I am. Here's my life. I'm not gonna cling to control anymore. God, I'm gonna let you have control. Whatever you say, I want it. God, here's my life. Here's my family. Here's my hopes. Here's my dreams. Here's my career. Oh God, it's yours. You call the shots. I've resigned as CEO of my life. God, you're in control. Leads to heart change. Leads to life transformation. Leads to, to, to God in his sovereignty, in his power, stepping into your life, into your circumstance, into your situation, and, and leaving you a changed person. You're a born-again experience. It can happen in a moment. It takes a lifetime for us to live out. The same choice that, that rescued me 19 years ago is the same choice I get to make today, the same choice I get to make tomorrow to come to God and say, God, my life's yours. What do you have for me? I, I'm your servant. What, what do you want me to do? My life is yours. It leads to life transformation. Let's get really practical. Uh, here's a prayer. If you like practical things, like what am I gonna do with this this week? Here, here's a prayer I wanna invite you to pray every day this week. I'd love for you to pray it every day the rest of your life, but let's just start with seven days. Every day this week, I invite you to pray this prayer in Psalms 19, 14, and here's what it says. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. O Lord, may the words I say, may the thoughts I think may be pleasing to you. And I want you to notice, Central Christian Church, notice how these two are interconnected. Because the meditations of your heart are gonna come out in the words of your mouth. What you think about comes out. You can't change your words unless you change Unless we change our hearts. So God, would you allow us to meditate? Would you allow us to marinate? Would you allow us to ruminate on things that are pleasing to you? Would you set a guard over our mouth, oh God, so that our words might be pleasing to you and the meditations of our heart bring you joy, bring you, bring you honor. Let's get our hearts right so we can get our words right. We gotta get our hearts right then we can get our words right. And after we got our hearts right, then I wanna invite you to do the second thing, and that's put a filter on what I allow in my heart. Once we get our hearts right, we gotta put a filter and just say, I'm not gonna allow that stuff in my life any, anymore. Now, I don't need to be the Holy Spirit. I don't need to tell you what you should and what you shouldn't do. God, God can do that. But I would ask you, invite you to wrestle with this question. Is there anything that I'm putting into my life that brings less than God's best? Is what I'm putting in God's best? Because here, here's, what, here's what Jesus said. This is Jesus' words, his teaching in, in Matthew 12, 34 through 35. He says, for out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. We, we've talked about that, but here, here's where he, he, he talks about putting a filter up, get, getting better input. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. So the, the good man, he actually puts good stuff in. But the evil man, he brings out evil things. Why? Because it's in his heart. How's that happen? Because he's been storing up evil in him. 
Now, now for some of you, this is where you get tripped up because you're like, I love God. I want to do what pleases him. But, but, but we keep storing up things that are dishonoring to God. We, we view things that don't bring him pleasure, that bring our flesh pleasure. We, 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 do th- we take action on things that's actually storing up evil in our hearts and we wonder why e- nasty stuff keeps coming out. And Jesus is simply saying, it's because it's in your heart. And so you want to change that, put some good stuff in, store up good things. If it's excellence, if it's praiseworthy, if it's noble, if it's honorable, think about those things. And your mouth, your thoughts, the follow. So again, I'm not here, I'm not the, not the spiritual police. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I know my place. But I would just invite you, is there anything that you're putting into your life that's less than God's best? And if there is, I invite you to filter, filter that out. Here, here's Proverbs 4.23. This is, it couldn't be more strong than this. Above all else. If you do nothing else, guard your heart. Set a good filter there. Guard your heart because check it out. Everything you do flows from that. We've got to Got to guard our heart. We're going to allow God to change my heart. I'm going to put a filter on my heart. And this is where I get excited. Number three, decide to speak words of life. As I was preparing for this, as I was praying for you, the central family, I wish we could gather together and, and be together and, and disperse from this place as, as, as agents of hope, as agents of encouragement. But I got even more excited because I know some of you aren't even here in San Jose. You're in different states. You're in different countries. You're in different regions. And I got all the more excited when I was praying for you in this moment that maybe today, maybe this week, maybe tomorrow when you wake up, you go into the office, be an agent of joy, be an agent of hope. Use your words to speak life over people. That'll set you apart. It's not not what you hate or what you do or what you don't. Let people know that you care. Use your words to speak life over people. The first thing I want to invite you to do, you say, well, how do I speak life? What does that even mean? Speak words of affection. If you're taking notes, this is the, the first fill in the blank under that one. Speak words of affection. And, and here's what I mean. Like, don't be afraid to tell someone, man, hey, I love you. I love you, bro. Love you. You're, you're the best. Thanks, man. Some of you, underestimate how much some people in your life need to hear those words. I love you. I love you. All of us as, as men, seems like we, we struggle with this one a little more than ladies, but I think it's interesting that there are only two conversations that God the Father has with his son Jesus that are documented in the Bible. They talked every day. Jesus made a daily habit. He would hear from God. Jesus would talk to God. But there's only two conversations where we hear God the Father speaking to his son. And it's interesting. He says the exact same thing on both occasions. One was at at Jesus' baptism. One was on the mountain of transfiguration. His baptism, transfiguration. The baptism, Matthew 316 through 17. So this is right after he got baptized. He just comes up out of the water. And at that moment, the heavens opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and, and lighting on him and a voice from heaven. Here's what he said. This is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. You're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. 
We see the same thing on the mountain of transfiguration. In Matthew, a little bit later, Matthew 17 says, while he was still speaking, uh, this is Jesus speaking on the mountain with his, his buddies, and he says, a, a light, a bright cloud covered them, and the voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. You boys better listen to him. Now, why would these... Only two, two conversations from God the Father to Jesus recorded in the Bible, and they're the exact same. I conclude because I think that's what God the Father was always saying to the Son. You're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. This is my team here in this room. I love you. I'm proud of you. Central Christian Church, you're my church. I love you. I'm proud of you. That doesn't offend anybody. We need to start using some words of affection to show people we care. And then second is words of praise. Now, it's not, 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 not praise like we praise God, but like words that just affirm people. God gets all the praise, but we need to, call out some good things in people. Things like, like Amir and Ken. They, they've been here. You guys might have heard of them recently because of all their, their efforts in this online experience. But since this pandemic, Amir and Ken right here have been showing up faithfully every week, not for applause, not for recognition, but they're just faithfully serving God. Amir and Ken, good job. Good job. You guys are crushing it. Way to go. I think about Kim Costa faithfully showing up on two cool Tuesdays, showing up on, on parents' night off. She's probably got a whole lot of better things she'd rather be doing with her time on a Friday night. But Kim Costa, thanks for speaking words of life over young people. Good job, Kim. Way to go. You're crushing it. Thanks for your service. Let's catch people doing stuff good and just call it out. Speak words of praise. Proverbs 25:11 says this. A word aptly spoken is like silver, is like, like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word aptly spoken is like, like, like apples of gold in settings of silver. Think about that. It's apples of gold on this like silver tray. It's beautiful, it's valuable. Words aptly spoken are beautiful and valuable. You're beautiful, you're valuable. Let's share that. The next, let's speak words of encouragement. Man, here's what I know. It's not easy sledding for anybody these days. People may look all good on the outside, but many of us are just limping along on the inside. Let's speak some words of encouragement. Paul would say this in Ephesians 4, 29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Like, that's a sermon right there, right? Like, and this isn't just a suggestion. Like, I'm just saying, like, this is scripture. This is, this, this is what we're called to as followers of Jesus. Like, don't allow any unwholesome talk to come out of your mouth, but check it out. But only what is helpful. What, is it, if the, what I'm about to say, is this gonna be helpful to this individual I'm saying it to? Is this gonna build them up? Is this gonna help them according to their needs, not my needs? It's not just something I need to get off my chest. It's something I'm gonna, this is gonna benefit them, that it may, may benefit those who, who listen. Let's, let's not allow unwholesome talk to come out of our mouth, but let's bring words of encouragement. And then next, let's bring words of healing. 
Again, there's a lot of hurting people in our world. And you carry the words of life. The proverb says the power of life and death is in your tongue. You can bring words of healing. Proverbs 16, 24 says this, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Speak words of life. How do we do that? Let's speak, speak words of hope, words of encouragement, words of healing. God's got you. And then finally, and I like this one, words of faith. Words of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines what faith is. It says, it says, faith is the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Too often we walk around talking about everything we can see, everything we can see in this, but everything I see, I can see that, I can see that. But faith speaks of things it cannot see. Della Phillips, back in the day, what was she doing? She was speaking words of faith to me. All she saw was a, a broken junkie, like living at his parents' house, didn't have a job, didn't have anything going for her. But she saw something in me that I couldn't see. And she spoke things that she couldn't see. She spoke words of faith. And you can too, there's power in that. That's what the church is called to. That's what we're called to. That's speaking life into people. Now we don't need to know like what we are. And honestly, every week I stand up here, I try to, I try to speak some words of faith over you because you know who you are. Like you know what you did. I know, I know, I know who I am. And, and if, if I just stood up here and told you the truth about who you are all the time. I just be, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're, we're all sinners. We're broken, but you know, you're broken. You know, you've blown it. So it's my honor to stand up here and say, Hey, I know you're broken, but you can know God and he can put every piece back together. I know you're broken, but you can find freedom. And that, that course can start today. I know yesterday was tough, but tomorrow his mercy is fresh and new every morning. Hey, today you can live on purpose. He created you on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. All those things are true and check it out. You can go in this world. He's gifted you so beautifully, so profoundly, not only with natural, talents and abilities, but he's endowed you with spiritual gifts so you can go and change the world. That's who you are. We need, to, we need to share those words with each other. God example is an example of this. In Romans 4, 17, it says this. It says, Abraham, our, our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead, and check this out. Here's what God does, and here's what he invites you to do. To call things that are not as though they were. Speak words full of faith, confident in your big God, because he's got your back. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for your love, for your radical grace. I thank you, God, for speaking a better word over all of our lives. I thank you, God, that today you're still in the life transformation business that you desire to change our hearts. And God, we know that we can't tame our tongue on our own. We know we can't watch our words on our own. We know, God, God that, that our words are important. Our words are powerful. They set the direction of our life. They can destroy what we have. They reveal what's in our heart. And so, oh God, I pray that for everyone watching this today, you would allow courageous faith to well up in them to take an action step and to surrender control of their life to you so you can bring about heart transformation 
inside of all of us because, God, we need you. More than anything else, Father, we just need you. And God, as you change our hearts, would you help us, God, to share words of hope, words of life with everyone we encounter because that's what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.